Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Precious Brady Davis. Precious is truly a Renaissance woman. You may recognize her name from being the first trans bride on TLC's Say Yes to the Dress, but she was trailblazing for years before that, promoting diversity advocacy, LGBTQ rights, environmental justice, and more. An award-winning diversity advocate, communications professional, and public speaker, she currently serves as the Associate Regional Communications Director at the Sierra Club. She served for three years as the Assistant Director of Diversity Recruitment Initiatives at Columbia College Chicago, her alma mater, implementing the campus-wide diversity initiative and providing leadership and oversight of national diversity recruitment and inclusion policy initiatives. She also served as the Youth Outreach Coordinator at the Center on Halstead the largest LGBTQ community center in the Midwest. During Precious's tenure, she launched a 1.6 million CDC HIV prevention grant, which provided outreach, education, programming, and testing services to over 3,000 young African-American and Latinx gay, bi, and trans youth. Precious is married to Miles Brady and lives in Hyde Park on the south side of Chicago, where they are raising their daughter, Zane, for the first time. Precious is telling her story in her own words, with the debut of her memoir, I Have Always Been Me, which releases July 1st, 2021. Precious, we are so excited to have you, and we're very excited about your book coming out. How's it going? I'm doing so wonderful, Court. Thank you so much for having me. It's Pride Weekend here in Chicago, so I'm celebrating with friends and celebrating our progress of our wonderful LGBTQ movement and thinking about the work that we have to do. My first question is always, where are you in the world? You mentioned already where you are, and I mentioned briefly in your bio. Have you always been in Hyde Park? Walk us through how you came to Hyde Park and how that affects you both in your life and in your writing. Absolutely. So I am originally from Omaha, Nebraska. I've been a Chicagoan for over a decade now, and theater actually brought me to Chicago. I was studying to be a theater educator at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and I felt that after a trip abroad, I studied abroad, I was studying art and performance in London and Paris, and I felt that after I had come back from studying abroad that I couldn't stay in Lincoln, Nebraska, and so I came to finish my degree in Chicago, and I've been here ever since. So. I originally, you know, I lived in the South Loop and then I lived in Chicago's gay neighborhood, North Halstead. But then I met the love of my life, Miles Brady, who is a lifelong South Sider, born and raised. And he brought me to the South Side and I'm so glad he did. Love that. As far as writing itself, you wrote a memoir, tells the story of your life. But have you always been interested in writing? How did writing come about? How did that idea come about? Walk us through 
from an early age, did you have aspirations to write? My whole life, I've always been enamored with the humanities, whether it be theater, you know, whether it be spoken word. You know, I grew up in the church and I talk about a lot of things that I learned from preachers. And when preachers speak, their sermons often are very oratory. And so I think that was my first interest in writing itself, you know, in creating messages. You know, I thought that at the beginning of my career outside of high school, I thought that I would actually be a preacher. You know, I wanted to be a great tale evangelist because that was the world that I had grown up around. And so writing has always been something that has been in my life, but I didn't realize until college necessarily that I had a gift. I'll never forget that I applied for this award when I was in college. It was a performance-based award, but I had written, obviously there was a written prompt component to the award, and I didn't get the award that I applied for. I actually got a creative writing award writing about my experience of how drag had open avenues when it came to my gender. And so that was one of the first moments that I realized that I had a gift when it came to writing. I would love to read the description of the book. Are you okay with listening to me? Okay, please, 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 please. Awesome. I've always been me. A powerful memoir of independence, releasing the past and living the dream by award-winning trans advocate Precious Brady Davis. Precious Brady Davis remembers the sense of being singular and grappling with otherness. Born into traumatic circumstances, Davis was brought up in the Omaha foster care system and the Pentecostal faith. As a biracial, gender nonconforming kid, she felt displaced. Yet she realized by coming into her identity that she had a purpose all along. In I Have Always Been Me, Brady Davis reflects on a childhood of neglect, instability, and abandonment. She reveals her determination to dream through it and shares her profound journey as a trans woman now fully actualized, absolutely confident and precious. She speaks to anyone who has ever tried to find their place in this world, imparts the wisdom that comes with surmounting odds and celebrating on the other side. A memoir, a love story, and an outreach for the marginalized, Precious's Sojourn is a song of self-reliance and pride and an invitation to join in the chorus. I also have some quotes, which I would love to read. The first one, one of the advocates most exciting LGBTQ plus debuts to read this summer. Readers can share in the joy of Precious's first time performing in drag and later meeting her now husband, Miles Brady Davis, which led to her appearing as the first trans bride on the hit show, Say Yes to the Dress, and eventually to becoming a mother. That's from The Advocate. I have another quote. Kirkus reviews, the author is a shining example of a proud Black trans woman celebrating gender queerness in her work and personal lives and inspiring memoir of nonconformity. I've got a couple more. Brady Davis's sharp wit and blunt honesty, especially her openness about unlearning, internalized bigotry is arresting. This serves up unapologetic realness the whole way through. That's from Publishers Weekly. And lastly, Booklist. It stands as a shining example of representation, both imperfect and authentic. These quotes are amazing. The book is coming out this week. How are you feeling going into the release of the book, and also all of these amazing quotes. I imagine as an author with a book coming out, you know, there's probably a lot of things running through your mind right now. Wow. Just 
hearing that just like brings me to tears. You know, when I set out to write this book, I really centered it in my experience and my healing alone. I wasn't focusing on, you know, what are the critics going to say? I really wanted to center the experience of that broken young person who felt abandoned and lost and grew up in a state like Nebraska, you know, where there were no examples of queer gender nonconforming folks set before me. And so, you know, as an author, you know, you read like all of the reviews. And so to hear those positive reviews is absolutely touching. You know, I hope that this memoir inspires. But setting out in my own writing journey, I really wanted this to be a healing experience to set me free. And it was, it was very therapeutic uh, for me to do this, but it's humbling to hear all of that. And this, for me, it feels like an ending, but also a beginning. It's a closing of a chapter of my life. It's standing on this moment of prevailing. You know, I've conquered so much in my life and it feels like such an accomplishment. It's absolutely humbling. And writing this book was not only difficult because I cover so many, you know, traumatic themes, you know, in my life, whether being a foster kid, you know, or being given up or, you know, experiencing displacement, you know, with my religion or feeling, you know, recurring theme of motherlessness. You know, I was also writing this book, we were dealing with, you know, an international pandemic. (laughs) And we didn't know what was happening in the world. It literally felt like the world, you know, was ending, you know, like the world around us was collapsing and the world came to a full stop. So it was, it was quite difficult to be excavating pieces of my life. You know, as we saw, you know, the amount of deaths you know, with COVID and who knew how we would find a way out of this. And so for me, it took some extra strength to write my life story, you know, as we were suffering, you know, the effects of COVID. We always talk about the inception of a book. You mentioned that you centered this book and writing about your experience and healing. Tell us about the timing. Why now in your life did you decide to finally tell your story? And then tell us about the timing of the release. You mentioned that it's Pride Month, book's coming out July 1st. Tell us about the timing of this and why is it significant? Why now? Absolutely. So the actual end of this book was actually the end it was going to be my wedding. I was going to just end it with having this wonderful wedding. And then Miles and I got pregnant, you know? And so I had no clue when I started this process that I would begin a wonderful journey of healing and reconnecting, you know, with my biological mother. And I think so often we don't get to hear enough narratives from trans people of victory, of triumph, of breaking the mold. And, you know, this is Pride Month. And so it feels fitting to release this book during Pride. 
you know, on the cusp of brave trans women who have lived their lives with such great audacity. And so I stand on their shoulders. And now comes a new narrative to inspire trans and gender non-conforming people from places both rural and urban that they can be, that they can create a space in the world. There is an example of finding love. There is an example of finding success. Love that. As far as actually, you know, sitting down to write this book, tell us, are you an outline person? When you want to tell a memoir, how does one (laughs) sift through your own life and choose what experiences are book worthy, so to speak? How do you choose to tell that story? How do you figure out how to tell your own story from a high level? Yeah. From a high level, I think that there were incidents in my life that have had a profound effect on me. And I think I really started with those incidents in my life, you know, that have been extremely pivotal. And so, yes, I did write an outline, but I also chose places in my life that I wanted to heal. I found places where I feel like others could relate to universal experiences, places where I wanted to shine a light on conversations that I think that aren't happening enough. I don't think people talk enough about foster kids and what that experience is. I don't think people talk enough about being within the LGBTQ community and the experience of being a person of faith and the shame and trauma, you know, that folks experience from that. You know, I talk about love in the book. I wanted love to be, you know, a reoccurring theme in the book. While there is trauma, I wanted there to be love as well. And for me, part of like writing this book, I also, I wanted to have a conversation with folks. I wanted it to be an easy read. I wanted folks to feel like they were sitting down next to me having a conversation about my life. And so inspiration, I feel, is what I do best. And I think that was always at the core of what I was writing. Can someone find some kind of inspiration from this story? We talk a lot about writer's block and finding, you said inspiration, to power through writing a work Obviously, writing a book is not an easy task. How did you work on it every day? How long was the process? Walk us through the process of you putting pen to paper, so to speak, and really just powering through and getting to either a finished book or even a first draft. How did that feeling come about? (laughs) So I think I originally signed my book contract back in, I believe it was 2018. And I originally had like a year or like a year and a half to write the book. And so little off schedule. And that's because in writing about trauma, I myself didn't think about the toil that that would have on me, my spirit, my daily life. And there were places in which I had to stop, you know, and I had to tell my publisher, I'm sorry, I need a week. <laughs> you know, I just wrote, you know, this really triggering portion 
of the book. And, you know, my mental health is, you know, so important. And I really wanted to center that. And so, yeah, there were definitely parts of the book where I was having writer's block because I didn't remember something how I wanted to. And so I had to, you know, go talk to folks who were there, you know, and piece their memory with my memory just to make sure my memory was correct. But yeah, I think that there were definitely moments where I faced writer's block, but I really carved out a space for myself where I wrote routinely. And for me, I wrote most of this book from the bathtub. (laughs) Just, I would submerge myself in bubbles, grab a glass of wine, and I would just write. And sometimes when I felt like it wasn't coming to me how I wanted it to, I kept writing. And there were many portions of the book where I kept doing that, where I kept excavating like a story just to make sure that I got out the core lesson of what I wanted to say. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. You just talked about the toil that you went through sometimes working on the book. But the book is also about healing. Tell us about the therapeutic process of both revisiting these moments in your past and also writing them, putting them out there. Tell us about that process of, I imagine it would be therapeutic. It was both, right? I think often when we're healing, I think healing sometimes can be painful, you know, when we're in the healing process, you know, when we release things, when we uncover things, but it was deeply therapeutic and I would not have done this process without going to therapy. And so I went to therapy in the process and I was really in a headspace of healing. And I often would think about that before you know, I was writing something, I would think about my feelings toward a person just because I didn't want to write with any malice. There's no malice in this book whatsoever. And I feel like that influences the writing. You know, if you write with malice, then I think you write with bias. I think when you write with healing, I think you consider 
especially when you're writing memoir, I think you consider all sides of the story. And one of the things that I like about healing in this process, I think it created some more empathy to understand others' experiences that I previously didn't understand. In the description of the book, there's a line. She speaks to anyone who has ever tried to find their place in this world and imparts the wisdom that comes with surmounting odds and celebrating on the other side. For those readers and for those aspiring writers, what do you hope that they take away from this book? What are the things, the themes, or the lessons that you would like the people who are reading this to take away from your own experiences? Absolutely. The first one is that we are forever in transition. Transition is inevitable. And in life, it's about how we respond to those transitions. Often, marginalized folks are people who are silenced and whose voices aren't recognized, particularly in in literature and in the publishing world. And I would say, tell your story, share your truth. It can be a difficult process, you know, to excavate one's life. But that's how we find healing. I think it's important for us, especially as queer and trans folks, to shine so that we create liberation for future generations. And I think it's important for people to know that your voice matters. Voice is a political tool. It's another way to create change. It's another way to create history. We see that marginalized narratives so often are erased from history. And I feel like I'm continuing to expand the canon of queer literature. And so I think that really inspires me. I've always been me is a very powerful title. How does one come about choosing a title? What phase in the process do you choose the title? And what is the significance? This title came to me at the very beginning. I knew I wanted the title of the book to be the statement. You know, it's memoir. And so I've always been me is this is who I have always been. Specifically as a trans person, the person that I am now, I've always been this person through multiple iterations. And you see that in the book, that it doesn't take the labeling of me being a young gender non-conforming person to turn a picnic table into a stage. You know, it didn't take someone naming me, you know, to emulate icons and divas and for me to be involved in human services work. At a young age, I was teaching Sunday school. I was involved in the nonprofit world when I was in third grade. And I'm still, you know, working in the nonprofit world, working now for the Sierra Club. And so I have always been me is, this is the person I have always been in so many regards. And I think that's so important for people to see because sometimes people just see the end of the journey and they recognize that as the success. But no, I was successful even when I was struggling even when I was navigating, finding myself, even in my lowest moments, there was resilience, there was optimism. And so I think I have always been me is a celebration of all of the different iterations of me. 
for those listening who are writers, obviously you, as I described in your bio, are a Renaissance woman. You know, you were the first trans bride on TLC, Say Yes to the Dress. You're an award-winning diversity advocate. You do a lot of things. For those listening who are maybe feeling overwhelmed with how to break through, how to tell their story, how to get through the noise that's out there, it's a very competitive time. Obviously, we've got Instagram, TikTok, all of these platforms. It can be tough to break through when everyone wants to tell their story, everyone wants to express their own voice. What are your words of wisdom for those people trying to figure out the means? Is it enough to just write a story and put it out there? Or do you really have to be a Renaissance woman like yourself? Well, I would first say that there's something that I always say to myself, and it's there is no competition. The only person that I am in competition with is myself. It's a centering on my healing, on my story on my journey. And I think that far too often that that adds pressure on folks because just because someone else's journey looks different than mine doesn't make them any less successful. And I think that my story alone shows that I have taken a very unique path to get where I am today. And so I know that there are different models of people say, oh, this is how you can be successful. And you go to college and you become, you know, an English major and then you go work for a publishing house. No, I think there are multiple journeys to get where you are. And if your medium is writing poetry and sharing that in a coffee house, do that. If your medium is blogging, or you know you use instagram you know to share short stories do that i think that there are multiple levels when it comes to sharing one story and i think that they all matter you know we need multiple diverse stories there's often times when i'm walking down the street and i see a person performing and they just Bless my soul. And I feel they are no less of a performer because, you know, they're a street performer than someone who, you know, is on Broadway. And so I think that we need everyone to share their story and to participate in these mediums. Precious, are you ready for a few bonus questions? We call a series of seemingly random questions. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. The first one, you mentioned that you wrote the book in the bathtub. No one's ever mentioned writing in a bathtub. So I would love to, for those writers who are like, you know what, I'd like to switch it up and write in a maybe more relaxed environment. What are some suggestions on that process? Maybe it's not a bathtub, maybe it's something else, but what would you suggest for people? Yeah, maybe, no, I, yeah. I love, so I'm also a parent. And so I often would have to write, you know, when my daughter, you know, like went to bed. And so for me, it was a way of also closing the whole world out, you know, of, I'm a water sign anyway. I'm a Scorpio. And so I felt like water was also like very like centering for me. You know, I burned a little bit of incense. You know, I have a gorgeous stand in which, you know, I wrote on. For some people, I think it's about where you find Zen. Like where is a place where you could find solitude? For me, solitude is not me sitting in a room writing. You know, that would like drive me crazy. Just like 
a desk like in a chair. <laughs> that is not a place where I find, <laughs> you know, that's like, you know, for some people that might, but that's not where I find solitude, you know? So for me, it also felt like there was a piece of taking care of myself and it made the hard parts easier to write. So I think, like I said, there are multiple places where folks can write. And so I would say do it in a place where you're comfortable and that feeds your soul. Of that. The next bonus question, if you could suggest a question that we ask one of our next writers, one of our next guests, what's the one question you would ask another writer? Another question that I would ask another writer, tell me a recent book that you read that made you laugh. I love that because I always ask that question back to you. What's a recent book that maybe made you laugh? So I recently read Jennifer Lewis's book, The Mother of Black Hollywood, and it was so funny. And the reason that I say laugh is because I like to hear someone's authentic voice in a book. And if they can make me laugh, I feel like they have done the job in places. Like I'm, in terms of my personality, you know, when I'm speaking with someone, I often (laughs) will laugh just like casually. And so for me, it feels extremely relatable. But reading Jennifer Lewis's The Mother of Black Hollywood That book touched me so much. If you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose? Which restaurant and why? Now, we always ask the fast food restaurant question. No one ever wants to choose a fast food restaurant. So I will give you the option of any restaurant, but it has to be a writer. No, no, no. Someone living or dead. No, let's let's take fast food. I love it. Okay. (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll take the prompt. So in writing my book, I read a lot of other folks, of course, in my genre. And someone who I was inspired by, her name is the Lady Chablis. And she is featured in the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And she is known as the Grand Empress of Savannah. She is now passed, but she published a memoir after she appeared in that movie And she is just hilarious and a hoot. And what I love about her memoir is the book is written in queer slang. And I absolutely love that. Although I know everyone wouldn't like that and wouldn't understand it, I love it that she wrote it in her authentic voice. And she was a showgirl and a performance woman. And I would have just loved, if she was alive, I would have loved to go to lunch with her and hear her story because I feel she's someone who doesn't get enough credit, especially today, you know, in media, when we see, you know, trans folks, you know, making ways, you know, in Hollywood and her role in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is absolutely a breakout role. And I would have loved to gone to lunch with her to talk about her experience in the 90s being in this movie and to see how far we've come today and see how far we still have to go. And I would go to Long John Silver's. We would eat seafood from Long John Silver's because 
I grew up going there and I think it would be a good time. <laughs> Love that. I don't think we've gotten Long John Silver's before. It's always fun to hear new fast food <laughs> options. I haven't been one to years. I don't even know they're still around, but <laughs> I'm from Nebraska and I grew up always going to Long John Silver's. Love it. Second to last question. For those listening who want to support LGBTQ plus writers, what is something you would suggest that they can do to support, whether it's buying books, reading books? How would you suggest those listening can contribute and support? Yeah, I'd say buy our books year round, buy them for a friend, gift them to someone, make yourself aware of folks in the canon that you have never heard of. I think there are multiple folks, stories who are unheralded. And I think the greater that we bring folks into the room, that we create space and progress for future generations and support local art. You know, there are lots of local artists, you know, who are writing and, you know, do story shares or get together for events, support local community events. And also, I think it's important that you invest in young people. So in particular, you know, if there are young people who put together zines, support local zines. But yeah, I'd say buy our stuff. <laughs> the very, very last question. If you could choose one learning or insight from your entire career to pass along to those writers listening, what is the one thing you would say? And is that from my writing career or from my career overall? I would say, given that this book is about your life, it's your memoir, let's say your entire career overall. I would say, speak out. Speak out and advocate for yourself. That is something that has found me great success over my career of serving as an advocate for myself, particularly in places where I have encountered systems that have been oppressive, particularly as a trans woman, particularly as a Black woman. I think that I have spoken truth to power, created accountability, and created change. Something that I often say is that I leave places better than I found them. Love that. Precious, the very, very, very last question. Did you have fun today talking to us about writing, particularly writing your own memoir? I had a blast. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I know you've got a website, preciousbradydavis.com. If you're listening, please check out the website. Is there anything else you want to shout out, Precious? I am working on an amazing project, but I can't talk about it yet. Folks will get to hear about it soon. Well, we're very excited for that project. But for now, for those listening, Precious's debut memoir, I Have Always Been Me, releases July 1st. That's coming up very soon. Please check it out, buy it, and support. Thank you so much. And thank you, Precious. It's really been an honor. Best wishes, and we'd love to have you back on in the future. I love that. Thank you so much again. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. 
The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.